You're listening to What She Said, a podcast all about blogging, creativity, and life online, hosted by me, Lucy Lucraft, freelance journalist and blogger based in Brighton. Each week, I chat to guests about their blogging journey and find out how they got to where they are today, the struggles, the wins, and we share lots of helpful tips and tricks too. So hopefully you'll forgive me for this mega, mega plug of my brand new SEO course, which launched, it was supposed to launch on the 1st of September, but actually I opened enrollment a little bit early and let my Facebook group and my newsletter buy a little bit early. Anyway, if you haven't heard about my SEO course, it's pretty magical. (laughs) It's called Simple SEO Success. I pulled all of my knowledge into it um, as someone who's taught themselves SEO. Um, and then gone on to help consult um, and help other people with their SEO for their websites. I created the course because when I started out, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. (laughs) And uh, I taught myself everything I know. And I got really frustrated with how much nonsense and noise there was out there. And when I learned, when I learned the actual facts of it all, I realised that there's just a, a huge heap of BS. So I created the course for the me of five years ago (laughs) in order to help people on their way to SEO success. So things that we're going to cover, I'm going to talk about Keyword Planner and um, teach you how to use it. There'll be basic SEO right through to some more advanced tricks. And I want to give you the tools to help you increase your blog traffic and website authority, if that's the sort of thing that you want to do. Basically, I'm going to help you remove your blog's invisibility cloak. And because I'm me, there's no BS and there's nothing technical about it all. So the course is £120 for one-off payment. You get that information for life. You can dip in and out for years to come. Or there's a payment plan if you want to spread the payments. So there's a couple of options there for you. You could buy the course in the link in the show notes or you can go to lucy-lucraft at teachable.com if you have any questions at all let me know. You have a few weeks to get it, but I would suggest getting it now because I am capping the student count. So now that bit's over, I am going to introduce you to um, the very first guest of season three of What She Said. It's Simon Hayes, who's a good friend of mine and a travel blogger. The reason that I wanted to chat to him was because he's a total SEO whiz. He um, runs a digital marketing digital marketing agency he's just a really nice guy he's super funny he's one of my favorite humans and he knows loads about seo i think we we answered quite a few of your questions um that i'd put out there on twitter and on facebook and instagram beforehand i hope that we've covered all your questions and i really really hope that we didn't go too kind of techy or geeky because you know i'm i'm not that i'm not massively techy or geeky so and I know it'll be super helpful there's loads of really actionable tips and tricks um there's one in there that I didn't know about it was it's brilliant it's really interesting um so and also I added in a very funny blooper so (laughs) if you listen right to the end or you can just skip right to the very end the last 30 seconds or so there's a little blooper in there for you (laughs) I found it very funny hopefully you will too (laughs) enjoy the episode Full silent, for I shall start. I shall. Hi, Simon. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lucy. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I had a great summer, so yes. And it's finally rained. Woo! We, are, you, are you happy about that? Have you got plants? I, I do have plants. I was growing some potatoes. Are you? I'm growing courgette. 
Oh, nice. Mm. Nice. I do like the project. Mm. As do I. But yes. <laughs> that's off topic. First of all, I want. <laughs> First of all, I just want to say this is the second episode of what she said featuring a man, and I hope that everyone is not too cross about that. So that's fun. What he said. <laughs> you can say something if you want. No, I, I quite like the intro. No, carry on. <laughs> so, for anyone that doesn't know who you are, do you want to give us a brief journey? that you've gone on with your blog um, and how it's led you to where you are today. Sure, yeah. So I guess um, my name's Simon Hayes and I started up my blog back in 2006. So this is like a long time ago. And the blog then up to about a month ago was called Simon's Jam Jar. And there was no real logic behind the name. I was just sort of sat in a lounge and I was looking over <laughs> at my where I was in the kitchen and saw a little jam jar sat on the side. And I was like, well, <laughs> it it's mine. And I, I don't really know what to, this is like New Year's Day in 2006. So I was a little <laughs> bit hungover as well. So the creative juices weren't, weren't really flowing. Um, and, and I called it that. And the idea was that I just create little snippets of stories or bits and pieces of content that I could put into the blog and be small enough to fit in a jam jar. And that, that was that. And away I went. And I guess it, I, I was never really a, a travel blogger at that point. So I am an SEO geek at heart, which is, of course, what is what we'll come into later on this podcast. So I just used it as an SEO testbed, really, just to see what I could make rank on Google. Um, and that was that was anything from watching TV programs and adverts to anything that happened in the in the digital marketing world. So it, it was never really a blog that I shared. It was just something that I loaded content onto and, and just sort of saw what happened on Google. And then probably late 2011, early 2012, I had a chat with a few people. And by this point, I was planning to do a bit of a round the world trip um, for six months and, and quit my job. Um, and they said, why don't you use the blog to to tell stories when you're when you're traveling so i thought yeah that's a great idea so i gave it a completely lick of paint i completely altered the way i write so this was like 90 percent focused on seo predominantly and less about me and you know the stories that i wanted to tell and my sort of um just approach to writing i suppose um so i completely flipped it around and when i when i went traveling i used it as the platform to share content and stories with family and, and friends. So that was that was Simon's Jam Jar. And then when I came back from traveling, mid-2013, I miss traveling so much. <laughs> so for any travel bloggers out there, they'll, they'll know exactly what I mean by that. And I fell into the travel blogging world in, in London. Um, and it was actually nice to sort of bounce around stories about travel, what they're doing with a blog. And it really gave me a, a resurgence of, of what I should do in terms of where I should take it and the stories I should tell and so, and so forth. So so that was the journey. And then up until a month ago, it was still Simon's Jam Jar, but I kind of outgrown it. So that was like, what was that, 12 years of the Jam Jar, which was great. And it, and it, and you know, it, it did me proud and it was brilliant, but I, it just wasn't really me anymore. I think I outgrew it. So my new blog is called Adventure Bagging. Um, which is all to do with adventures, new experiences, hiking, camping, um, just new skills, all it, everything under that umbrella, essentially. And the bagging part is a little nod to my northern roots. So I'm from <laughs> Lancashire originally, although I definitely don't sound it. 
um, and bagging is all to do with food and eating and things like that. So adventure bagging, adventure outdoors, food, that's exactly what the blog is. So, yes, that's my blog. Please check it out. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> so, so adventure bagging, the stuff that you're writing about on there is basically what you were writing about on um, Simon's Jam Jar anyway, wasn't it? It was like most recently because when I was looking at it I was like oh but it's exactly the same like if it doesn't feel in a in a nice way it doesn't feel no pun intended jarring that um that was bad yeah well I tried uh that everything's changed it doesn't feel like oh my god what who is this new person no no I tried to keep the voice exactly the same I think it's just the the type of posts that I'll create are going to be a bit more um like weekend adventures or hiking adventures or I've got a little springer spaniel now that's that's a year old so it's like dog friendly beaches or dog friendly accommodation things things like that really that a bit more uh that shifted from where it was so previously it was like you know a week's itinerary in Sri Lanka or where to visit in Zimbabwe yeah. that sort of thing is, is is going to be a bit less I think yeah and for maybe family travel too well this is it family travel from September onwards yeah watch the space so when this comes out this will come out uh first week of September <sighs> be close due date's the 11th well maybe i will time it with that do it <laughs> um right let's talk about seo shall we talk yes so when did i meet you 2013 2014 probably yeah and i knew you as a travel blogger i didn't know you as um an seo geek or anything although i'm sure we talked mm. about it mm, would we have we'd probably be too drunk um yeah. <laughs> and then the talks that you did at Traverse that I saw were around affiliate marketing, but you you talked a lot about SEO and stuff like that then as well, because your bread and butter, I guess you could say, your full-time job was in a digital marketing agency. Mm. Um, yeah. Can you talk to us a bit about that? About your credentials <laughs> to talk on this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I entered the, the digital marketing world two years before I started my blog. So now bearing in mind, I'm, I'm 36 now. I'm a bit older than, um, than probably your average audience. So I, no, I, no, not at all. Definitely? Okay, yeah, good. That makes yeah. it a lot better. Cheers. The grey hairs are coming through, so you can't tell them. <laughs> um, so I started working for a digital marketing back in digital marketing agency, sorry, back in 2004, who's specialized in SEO really and at that point they were one of the, the best at what they did in in the uk and it was only a small company at that time it was probably about 10 people and because i was fresh i was new i was going to learn it was essentially i was just like a sponge i soaked up everything that the you know the guys who were working on campaigns for you know british airways and mtv people like that were talking about day in day out and i absolutely loved it i thought it was brilliant and for any website to you know smash the rankings get to the top of google and and mop up all the traffic and watch them grow was was absolutely staggering so it's brilliant there's a great learning curve uh now obviously fast forward through through time there's been so many you know updates to google's algorithm and the way that people search and the devices they search on and so on and so forth. So it's always changing. It's one of those industries that really keeps you on your toes. So even if you think you're set with SEO in, in, you know, 2018, 2019 might be completely different. So from that point of view, it's brilliant. So I guess the, what I tried to do with 
um, with with blogging, as I mentioned earlier, was just to use that to see what would happen if I tried different things or, or certain techniques or strategies that I could then roll out to to clients, I guess. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's the background. So I guess I've got what fourteen years of, of SEO knowledge. My word, quite a it's lot. That's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> so let's talk about <laughs> SEO from because obviously, the, from your point of view, you are dealing with businesses who need your SEO consulting knowledge. Mm. But for the purpose of this podcast, taking it right back to basics, it's trying to simplify SEO for bloggers. I yep. feel like there is, I'm a massive geek as well. I always have been. So that's why I always loved learning about SEO as a blogger. Yep. Um, and I found personally that there was just a huge pile of misinformation out there. There was lots mm. and lots of people saying, this is what you should do. This is the only way that you can achieve, et cetera, et cetera. And when I looked at it and started looking outside of just bloggers advice but you know seo experts advice i realized that that was that that was just bullshit um and some of the questions we've got some questions already but before we go Mm. into them i'd love to hear from you what do you think the number one mistake that bloggers make with seo is good good question number one mistake is is possibly giving away links too easy. So I guess, yeah, I mean, it's, well, let, let's distill it down. I think the way that you approach SEO, whether you're a brand, a business or a blogger, uh, occasionally, you know, you're, you're all three of those things, but, mm. um, SEO can be broken down into three parts. Let's simplify it. Part one is the, the technical background of, of your website, the hosting, your accessibility, all, all that sort of thing. The middle bit is content what you write, how you write it, how that integrates keywords and so on and so forth. And then the third part is links. Now, there's been a bit of a um, a, an uproar in the digital industry for the last few years because Google has gone out and said, actually, if you are a blogger you and you are getting paid for um, a collaboration with a brand, you shouldn't give a follow link because essentially it's, it's advertising, blah, blah, blah. We, meet, we might penalize you and everything else. But it's interesting from my point of view because I see both sides of the fence. I see it from a blogger point of view and I see it from a uh, an SEO point of view. And so from the blogger side, you read forums and group chat all the time and saying, actually, you know, we're running this campaign. The brand we're working with are looking for um, blogs that have a domain authority of over 30. If that's you, get in touch and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, no, why is this the metric that we're still using? What, and yeah. of course... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's right. yeah. And uh, if, I just don't think you should base a collaboration on your domain authority of your blog. That's not that's not the aim because the aim for the brand behind them is simply to get good links, and bloggers then give it away, and then that then affects the um, credibility of, of of your blog. So yeah, that's probably the biggest mistake I think people would make. So. Okay, so te- to simplify that even more, mm. what you're saying is that in, in giving away a link to a brand for a collaboration, what you're doing is telling Google that um, this you are associating yourself with some crappy website, for example. <laughs> 
uh, it depends on it depends on who you're collaborating with. I guess. Okay, if, we'll say it's. For, for the let me give you. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Yeah. A good example is if you are approached by an insurance company, for instance, mm-hmm. and yes, it might be travel insurance or whatever else, but they may ask for follow links to car insurance or or what have you. You know, insurance sectors incredibly competitive, and in which case. It, even if you disclose it, Google's going to know that, you know, that's a paid for link and they've not come out and actually penalized anyone before for doing this. It's just in the guidelines that they, they, they may knock you down if you do do it and it's paid and, and whatever else. So it's, yes, it has to be related and not all brands are, are bad, but, um, yeah, it can have a, a negative effect on, on your blog. And that's probably a, a piece of the puzzle that people ne- don't necessarily think of when they think of SEO. And w- what I was going to say is the biggest mistake that people make is thinking that writing um, good or in quotation marks, good <laughs> SEO posts are top 10 posts because you can still, I, I still hear that I was listening to a podcast episode the other day where people still say, oh, you know, I really like storytelling. I still want to write good SEO posts, but I just really, really like storytelling too. And it makes me really mad because I do, the two aren't mutually exclusive. No. But So some of my best posts, my best ranking posts aren't uh, listicles. And that's not to say that you shouldn't write listicles, um, but don't think that um, you're if you write a really beautiful storytelling post that that you know somebody won't be searching for it it's not no. it's not like google hides all storytelling posts and then only shows things that are easily digestible in 2 minutes correct it's it's about yeah it's a balance i mean there's there's many bloggers out there who would say that you know they've developed a following over so many years because of the way their voice comes across in their blog, not, not because of, you know, the traffic they've generated through Google and that, Oh, people have suddenly come across the blog and started following it. It doesn't necessarily work like that. Um, so, and a lot of, a lot of bloggers, I, I know hate listicles, you know, they feel like Mm, the whole blogosphere has gone that way purely to suit Google. Um, which is, which is, which is a bad thing, I think. Yeah. And I think that is true as well. I do think that especially, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say especially, but I feel like in travel blogging, that is a bit true. But I also think there's a lot of snobbery around listicles. I, yes, I quite like reading them that. sometimes. Yeah. And they're quite handy. You know, yeah. if, if you, if you're there, let's say you, you're, you're going to visit a city and you want to know the top 10 restaurants or top mm. 10 bars and okay, TripAdvisor aside, it might be just a simple, easy, digestible blog post that helps you you know find those things so yeah they they have the they have the benefits of i guess and good for affiliate links as well of course yeah especially as product based list yeah. so that yeah that's something that i'm trying to focus on a little bit anyway um yeah. if, if you were starting a blog tomorrow so for people who start who have started a blog in the past year for example <laughs> i mean there's been a, an algorithm change i think in the past week the past few weeks they announced a Last week, maybe they announced an algorithm change. Have I made that up? No, there possibly has been. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, there's, so, there's always like one or one or two every every few weeks. Some are big, some are not. Every few weeks, that's wild. That is mm. wild. Um, anyhow, so um, for somebody starting out right now, what are the best things 
to put in place to make sure that your blog has kind of cornerstone SEO, beautiful stuff that Google will love? Make it quick, as in make the pages quick to load. So the the, the biggest issue we've seen with um with with blogs, especially travel blogs, is they're obviously very image heavy and a lot of and a lot of, a lot of that means that the page is heavily bloated and doesn't load as quickly as it should do now there's loads of if you use if you're starting out and you use blogger um then there's ways and means that they sort of if you load an image that say you know three thousand pixels by one and a half thousand pixels straight from your straight from your camera um blogger actually distills it down and crops it into various different sizes depending on what you what the template of your blog looks like so that's uh, the simple way of doing it for that yeah, and there's, there's several different plugins on WordPress for you to to compress them down, so that works. But there's also with 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 WordPress, there's a lot of there's a lot of other bloat because of all the plugins that mm. then come in. So, for example, um, the Contact Form, if you use Contact Form Seven as a plugin, and various other plugins that then sort of sit on top of that. There's mm. extra CSS, there's extra JavaScript, which then adds a bit more bloat, which typically you can't control. You can just sort of move it around the template so it loads later on and it's deferred and things i'm getting a bit technical here so <laughs> no, no, <laughs> if i go no, too no. technical bring me back up because that can happen so um what you're saying is basically the on word in wordpress because you have based like little shortcuts that are hacks um so that you don't have to access the back end of your website and write lines into code you've got a plugin yeah. that does it for you but what that means is that it's just another little shortcut that actually when when the spider is crawling your website it's getting lots of it's almost like the way i think about it is that it, there's a little person every plugin is a little person be like hey hey no 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 come this way move this way now don't go that way <laughs> And then it just gets lost. That's how I think about it. Interesting analogy. How's, how about <laughs> this one? So I let's say you're a little little spidery robot and you've got to climb a ladder to get to all the content that you need and all the plugins just put another rung in the ladder. Ah, oh, that's a better analogy. Is it? Like no, I prefer mine actually. But I, okay. they're both kind of saying the same thing, aren't they? They are, yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> just 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 be yeah, I guess just be careful. So there's a, a couple of tools actually that I use pretty much every day there's google page speed page speed insights um which you can have a look at so basically google that you can throw in a particular url from your blog and it will spit out the improvements you can make to help to help the blog faster and uh, a few other hints and tips as well just a note of caution on this it's really mm -hmm. really helpful but um when it gives you the helpful hints and tips they are in google language so some of them aren't very <laughs> yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't they won't literally come back and be like hey you so that there's a you just need to resize this image it'll be like amp this and um yeah so yeah. just just use it with caution but it will tell you if your site is really really slow and it will tell you to just get off the internet um or not <laughs> Until you forget off the internet. Oh, I think my site my site was really, really slow and um I had a lot of red flags which was quite scary, but it's fine. The other thing that I think people will really want to know about, and you touched on it a little bit earlier, and I'm glad that you said that it's pointless, is domain authority. Well not pointless, but it's a really silly metric to to focus on. Mm. Um, it's a, 
well, it's a silly metric to focus on if you're a brand and you're running a campaign and that's what you're choosing bloggers on the basis of. Mm. Um, because the, the audiences that the brand's trying to tap into, um, should be aligned to, to your audience. It shouldn't be based on a simple domain metric because domain metrics based on the number of links you get from other sites and that's what they want to tap into. And the, there's a disconnect. It doesn't, it's, it's, for me, it's just not natural. Um, but from, you know, wearing your SEO hat, if you're, if you're a blogger, it's quite handy just to keep an eye on because domain authority is a, uh, it's a comparison metric. So it can go up or down depending on what other blogs or other websites in the same sector are doing in terms of link building. So it could be that you may be 24 one day and you might drop down the next week and then you might pop up three months later to be 27 or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's quite interesting just that if you, if you don't know anything about domain authority, it's, a, it's a, a metric that was launched by a company called Moz who have many, many different SEO tools who are great. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's it, SEO companies and brands and agencies all focus on this this metric. Um, they report on it every month. They focus on improving it for brands. So you know, from from an SEO brand and business side of things, it's it's very, very important. But from a blogger side, I think it's less important. Mm, yeah, I would agree. I think people just get a bit hung up on it. And I remember yep. when I was working more on the agency side, people requesting that they want five bloggers or whatever and they have to have a minimum da of 50 mm. i mean yeah you could have somebody who's yeah i don't know someone with really crappy content that has a domain of 50 domain authority of 50 mm. so yeah but you know at the same time we've then got to look at it from a blogger point of view and if you are a full-time blogger and you're looking at different revenue streams and a brand comes along and they say look you know we're going to pay you 100 pounds for a follow link there's minimal work involved mm -hmm. and why wouldn't the blogger say yes if it you know if it doesn't really if they don't think it's going to have as much of a negative effect on the blog as it as they think it would do so yeah. it's it's both sides you can see it from both sides that was very balanced and fair i try to be <laughs> right let's get on to some of these questions so yes i really really definitely want to talk about vicky's question but first <laughs> so Louisa, who is online personal stylist, she has asked, how can we up our SEO game in competitive in industries such as fashion, where there is a lot of competition for the same keywords? This is a good question. It's a great question. And in fact, it's um, a question I've been asked every year, every year of my digital marketing career, I think. And I think a good way of uh, punching above your weight with the big boys is to find a little niche within the sector you're going after. So as an example, um, we used to work with a, a jewelry company and the jewelry company said, look, we want to be the best for um, wedding rings, engagement rings, and so on and so forth. And we were like, look, that's simply not going to happen overnight because A, you're new, you're a startup. The the authority that your domain has is, 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 is nothing compared to the likes of, you know, H. Samuel and Ernest Jones and those guys. And they were like, okay, what can we do? I said, well, let's let's find a niche and bizarrely enough what they went after was um festival and sort of fashion and that kind of sector for jewelry which wasn't big at the time but actually it got bigger and bigger and they carved out a niche for themselves in that area became known for that and then got a hell of a lot of um, credibility from from google's point of view got credibility in terms of links from other sites and they gradually built up and built up and then launched out into things like wedding rings engagement rings and actually 
perform really, really well against them still um, and are doing well as a business. So I think the, the key thing is just to look for a particular niche within the sector, whether it's fashion, maybe go after a type of hat or type of top or type of dress, type of shoe, etc. Absolutely nail it and then and then go out from there and see if that works for you. That's a that's really good advice. Um, and also, it probably is a lot less scary to think about just pick one niche and just get your authority and get basically mm. earn Google's trust, and then you yeah. can carry on writing about everything else within your fashion within fashion, if that's what it is. Actually, yeah. Louisa, I know that she's got quite um, she is quite niche anyway, so that will probably Perfect. be very comforting for her. Good. Uh, good luck, Jody. Jodie Louise says, tips on replicating SEO success. I've got some posts that have worked well. And then when I've tried to recreate them, they haven't been as successful. Hope that makes sense. So I think I I know what she's saying. And I think that would be easy to answer because if you've, well, for example, I have the the posts that rank really, really well for me are itinerary posts but they're Mm -hmm. two specific type of itinerary posts they're two week itinerary posts if i do a week itinerary post it doesn't work as well and that's simply because um i mean i wrote them with i did my keyword research and two week itinerary is the thing that came up um Mm -hmm. so if i replicated that to any type of itinerary post or even two week itinerary in india is one that ranks really well if i did two week itinerary in sri lanka that might I haven't done my keyword research on that, but say I had, maybe people are looking for three-week itinerary in Sri Lanka, so maybe that wouldn't replicate. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, explanation. Yeah. How I kind it of might it, not yeah. work. Yeah, I'd also say that it depends on the competitiveness of the term that you're actually going after. So, for example, um, a one-week itinerary for. Uh, Sri Lanka, for instance, may be more competitive than a two-week itinerary for Sri Lanka, in which case the two-week version would perform better than the one-week simply because there's less competition on Google. And actually, you've also kind of nicely brought us to the fact that it's not just about the one metric within keywords, but it's about finding Mm -hmm. um, gems of keywords that, yeah, kind of straddle both. and long tail keywords specifically. Yep. One of the things that I try and think about is that when you're looking at keywords, even if, because it gives you various, if you haven't done keyword research, then you just need to buy my course because <laughs> <laughs> I will show you how to do it. But when you do your keyword research, you'll, you'll basically get a, a kind of ugly looking um, Excel sheet that will tell you how a load of search terms around the ones that you've put in your seed words and then um kind of ranges so this has been searched for naught to a hundred times or and it's various increments you could go for the ones that are being searched for up to a hundred thousand times a month but if you get a keyword that a thousand people a month are searching for and nobody else is writing about it that's a thousand people a month to one post that's a lot of people yeah so that's kind of what i try and think about and that's what i tell other people to think about yeah i've also got a really 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 good tip that's worth listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. alone for i don't know if it's in your course but i'm betting it isn't do you want to hear it yeah okay so when you do your keyword research obviously it will spit out phrases that you 
should go for based on search volumes and so on and so forth. And then when you actually start writing the post and you sprinkle those keywords within a post, there's also um, a Google part of the algorithm which looks at supporting keywords as well. Now, the way to find those supporting keywords, and let me give an example. Everyone can go and Google this <laughs> right now. As you go into Google, are you on, you on Google? Should we try it? Yeah. Okay. So if you go into Google and type, let's say we want to find out the the supporting keyword or synonym um, for the word itinerary. So if you go into Google and type itinerary. Yep. Done it. And then um, leave a space and then put minus as in the dash yep. itinerary. No space between the dash and itinerary the second time. What that will bring up in the search results is a load of different words which are in bold and so on and so forth, which are synonyms of the word itinerary. So you probably will see things like itineraries yeah, and various different bits. So when you construct your post, the strength of the content is based not just on the key phrase that you're going after, but also on the synonyms that you use within the post at the same time. Clever. That is an Thanks. excellent, excellent tip, and it definitely isn't in my course. <laughs> so maybe maybe you can write you can write a lesson in the course okay for the relaunch happy to. and then you can have an affiliate yeah. link yeah boom done oh, you just put a link to the podcast this podcast in the course there you go perfect um that's a really good tip and, and that you. kind of speaks to the fact that google is wanting you to write for humans <laughs> correct because it, exactly it, it's not just about one phrase it could be that Again, use the same example, but one week itinerary Sri Lanka, it, it could be that people are actually searching for various different types of itineraries, mm. in which mm. case you need to include that content in your in your post too. Excellent, excellent tip. Okay, so boom, two tips down. Let's just move this out of the way. Laura has asked, if you don't have a lot of time on your hands to make the post super SEO compliant, what would be the one or two most important things to get done? I feel like there are so many things and I never know, I quite know how where to start. And I completely relate to that because it sometimes feels like, oh, it sometimes feels really overwhelming of all the things oh, I know I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be doing this. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, good question. I think if you're writing on a go that obviously you might write, let's say you're taking a plane somewhere, you might open up your laptop and write it all in Word or write it in Notepad or, you know, whatever you want. And then you'll load it onto your blog when you have time. So when you do that, I would say the, the key things behind that are make sure that, um, whoever stumbles, again, this is from an SEO point of view, but whenever someone stumbles across, stumbles across it on Google, they see a good call to action in the meta description and the title represents exactly what the post is about. Mm -hmm. Now that might sound, you know, fairly straightforward, but often if, if it's missed out, Google might pick up something on the page that doesn't really have any call to action. So people might click on another link on Google other than your own. So if you are going to spend a little bit of time, get the content right, both on the page, but also in the meta and title text. So let's just uh, break that down. So the meta description is when you Google, when you literally type something into Google and your, mm -hmm. and your post comes up first, say, or whatever, the meta description is going to be what the kind of description of what the post is just underneath. Some people, exactly, yeah. some people 
don't write anything in which case um normally i think with wordpress it just takes the first couple of lines from just a standard first couple of lines from your blog post which um i I don't know if that's a theme dependent thing but i'm pretty sure yeah i think it just takes it which in which case it might be you know just something that is really not indicative of what the post is about so when you're saying make sure that it's basically jazz it up so that people want to click on it correct yeah exactly i mean it's more often than not google will take that if if it's um if it's relevant to the content on the page often even if you have a meta description they might take another bit of content from the post if the query is not quite aligned with the meta description that's that's you know not your issue it's just what google does um but yeah, it's just quite handy because you, then you've got a, a, a call to action. Your click through rate is, is pretty good, probably in Google's eyes. So that's always a always a plus point. And actually, no, it's the outtakes that pulls through to Pinterest. I was just thinking about um, on Pinterest when you pin an image from your blog, what pulls through, and it's the it's actually the outtext, not the which is which is kind of annoying, but it doesn't matter. Anyway. That's a good point, actually. Sorry, actually, yeah. So if you do, you, it's just best practice, I guess. But if you do use a message description more often than not, it's Facebook will take that as the description that it pulls into its open graph onto Facebook as well. Does it still do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I think so. Um, now, let's get on to Vicky's question. <laughs> Yay. Which is a really good one. It's juicy. <laughs> it is, yeah. I don't know if if this will be a common problem. <laughs> But it might be. <laughs> do you want to take it away? Yes, let's do it. So um, Vicky was saying that she has um, a website, which I think is separate to her blog. And it just so. sort of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, separate to her blog, just sort of ticks over and it makes a little bit of, uh, of revenue, but not too much. So she sort of took her eye off the ball and she found out that uh, the hosting company had actually taken it offline. I think it was for three months, I think she said. And um, she noticed it because the, the revenue stopped coming in from, I assume it just must be affiliate links or, or whatever that she's using on there. And she was like, oh, my rankings have gone for it and the revenue stopped coming in, the traffic stopped coming in. Is this a, a bad thing or will my traffic and revenue return? I think that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and her ranking. She was wondering about her And her ranking. Well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess from in in the short term, if your if your site or blog goes offline for let's say twenty four hours and then back online, Google appreciates that some sort of blip. It might not necessarily be um your fault. I've got to be careful what I say here because you might tell me off. But um, if it's a little blip, then more often than not, in the short term it won't it won't impact you at all. But the aim of Google is, of course, to present the most relevant results to um, its audience. So if someone's typing something, they don't want to serve a result from a site that doesn't exist because people will just bounce back and it's a bad user experience. So it will have a detrimental effect on your traffic rankings. And that's probably why they just threw you out of, of the index for a little while, or it seemed they did. Um, so the key thing is to get it back online as, as quickly as possible. And what I recommended to Vicky was to keep an eye on Webmaster Tools because it shows you things like server connections, um, DNS, make sure everything is, from a technical point of view, is correct and, and working okay. And then from there, hopefully, you'll be able to 
see Google sort of re-indexing everything and impressions and clicks going back up um, over a period of time. That said, because it's been offline for so long, it might take a long time for Google to then build up trust in that domain again. So how long is that? I don't know. That's like saying how long is a piece of string, but um, eventually they'll, they'll, they'll keep re-indexing and say, actually, okay, this site is okay now. Um, it, it's fine, but they might not place you as high as you once were because of the blip. Um, yes. So that's a very niche issue. <laughs> Just mm. try not to let your site go offline. And what Simon told Vicky on Twitter um, is that, I mean, I think maybe she just wasn't checking the email address because whenever my site mm-hmm. has gone offline, I get emails to, yeah. like hourly. Um, and and Webmaster Tools, which is now called Google Search Console, um, is a really good thing to track for it, it's it can be a bit uh overwhelming but really mm. it will tell you yeah if if suddenly your there's no traffic to your site or something or if there's something uh, um it will tell you if the um if any of your pages are being blocked a blocking um in when it crawls your site when the robot crawls your site um so you can see if there's um lots of um redirect issues if there are urls that it can't access or yeah so it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really good yeah it's good for two things really my my point of view one is diagnostics so any sort of technical issues with the site but two because you don't get a lot of um keyword or key phrase data within google analytics it's quite handy for looking at you know what phrases people are clicking through to your blog from which is handy um Instead of uh, Google Analytics. Yeah, so a few years ago, Google changed it. So if, if you go into Analytics and you go into um, like acquisition channels, organic search, more often than not, you'll see a little bracket which says not set and the majority yes. of traffic will come through that. That's just the privacy thing that Google set a few oh, years ago. Um, but within Webmaster Tools, you can see all the keywords, which is quite handy. I see. I didn't even know that. Did I know there you that? Go. You must, you may be, you, you're uh, an SEOP. You probably did. I probably, yeah, I, I am a very much do what I, do what I say, not as I do. <laughs> the amount of stuff that on my site that I don't do is incredible. I, I do not use it as a portfolio for good SEO best practice. But hey, hey. <laughs> I have no comment about that. I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> Um, so I, just to wrap things up, is there any other tips that you would, any burning SEO tips that you really want to get off your chest to, or things that you see bloggers doing that really irritate you or you don't have to name names, or you can use me as an example. Is this SEO related? No, no, no. Um, uh, I would say the... Consider the way people search is not necessarily all about the main rankings you get in terms of the main search results, for example, a, a URL from your from your blog. It may be the case that people are doing a lot of image searching. So, for example, make sure your images are optimized. And that's simply a case of, you know, we've, we've all been there in that you, you're planning on doing a, a blog post. Let's say you've just had a 48-hour 
um, trip to Bruges, which I have actually, which I need to write a, write a blog post for next. Um, and you, you have about 20, 30 images or something like that. It's very tempting you to pull them off the camera and load them straight into your blog without changing the file name or without reducing the size of them because it just, it's time consuming. It is time consuming. Um, but it, it pays dividends. So I've renamed the file name of each of the images to whatever the image is and wherever the location is. Make sure that there is an alt attribute with the image. I don't know if I've gone too techy here, but yeah, essentially yeah. an alt attribute is, is just there for accessibility purposes. So for example, if the images don't work on your site all of a sudden, what will show up is a little bit of text which shows what the image is. Um, and that is also quite handy for SEO purposes too. So alt attribute, the title of the file name and yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Correct. I do. So I know not everyone will be able to do this, but in Lightroom, I find it so much easier to do this because the set that you export will all have a file name and you can, um, you don't have to rename everything individually. You can rename it each one. Um, like yep. it does it for you basically with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten on at the end. So then you get like a nice, neat file name that isn't IMG dash blah, 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 <laughs> meaningless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's quite a good tip. So perfect. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Where can everybody find you online? Thank you for having me here. Well, they can find me uh, on my blog, which is adventurebagging.co.uk. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter as at Mr. Hayes, Mr. H-E-Y-E-S, and um, on Facebook too, by the same name, Adventure Bagging. And you can find me at Lucy Lucraft everywhere, but I mostly hang out on Instagram. You can find old episodes of What She Said over at lucylucraft.com, where you'll also find me chatting about all things blogging, vegan travel, and zero-waste living too. Lastly, I know everybody asks this, and it's a total pain in the ass, but please think about leaving the show a review. It makes a huge difference in getting the show out to new listeners, and for each review you leave, I donate £2 to charity. So that's £1 for you and £1 from me. The chosen charity changes each month, so listen out for it in the intro each week. Thanks for listening, if indeed you still are. What do you, what do you mean? Do I have to like get some SEO analogies in the related section? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd like that. If you could, that would be great. <laughs> Nobody else has managed <laughs> to do it. So. Insert the link. <laughs> Let's not do that. It sounds a bit weird. <laughs> insert that long tail keyword. That's it. That's yeah, the one. Boom, boom. All right. Full silent for I shall start.